This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, September 5th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The White House today announced it will cancel President Obama's plan to defer deportation for undocumented immigrants who arrived in the U.S. as children. Alex Narasta, policy analyst at the Cato Institute, discusses the change. We can debate whether or not uh, Jeff Sessions is right on the law here, and he may very well be correct on uh, the Obama administration writing this letter to the DHS chief and saying, hey, just uh, begin this process. Uh, but on a, as a matter of policy, Jeff Sessions uh, has some pretty dubious claims that he made in his announcement. That's right. He made a lot of justifications for the president's cancellation, the slow, sort of slow motion cancellation of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. The first one he made was uh, having to do with economics. The essential argument being that these dreamers, about 800,000 of them who have legal status under DACA, uh, take a lot of jobs of native-born Americans, uh, consume a lot of uh, tax benefits, and as a result are just a bad deal for the uh, American economy. And he noted, he noted interestingly that they that uh, DACA allowed these people to participate in Social Security. I can't imagine that uh, very many of the people who are beneficiaries of DACA are collecting Social Security. Uh, that is correct. Uh, the oldest beneficiaries are in their mid-30s. So all going well, they would be able to get their Social Security benefits in about 30 years. Of course, we know given the bankruptcy of that program, it will be substantially different by then. But the main benefit, and Ike Brannon, who's a Cato fellow, has done some work on this, is that the current DACA recipients do not have access to means-tested welfare benefits with the exception of the Obamacare subsidies. And those are not the cheapest subsidies in the world, but they're not as expensive as the other welfare benefits that other poor Americans are able to get. The net effect being that DACA recipients pay about $60 billion a decade more in taxes uh, than they receive in benefits, which, by the way, is uh, a better deal than for other Americans in the similar age and education and wage groups because those Americans have access to uh, benefits while these DACA recipients have access to almost none. Jeff Sessions also noted that uh, the DACA program uh, has created a problem at the border. What was he talking about and is that true? So he was talking about a surge of uh, unaccompanied alien children, which have been coming up primarily from Central America. Um, He claims that there was a big surge in about 2014 uh, in the summer where you had apprehensions in the tens of thousands of these kids coming across. And his claim is that that escalating sort of roller coaster of people coming across the border was because they thought they would get legalized under the DACA program. Now, none of the timing for this makes sense. Um, This surge in kids began long before DACA. It actually slowed down after DACA was announced. And these kids coming up wouldn't be eligible for the program anyway. So there's really no way in which the president, uh, President Obama's announcement of DACA in mid-2012 could have had an impact on this program. Just to give you a small anecdote about this, Governor Rick Perry of Texas at the time wrote a letter to President Obama saying, we have this huge increase in children at the border. Please send help. 
more than a month before the president even announced DACA. Weren't most of these children escaping uh, sort of humanitarian disasters in Honduras and elsewhere? That's right. One of the main reasons why these folks left was to come here and claim asylum. So it's not like they were illegal immigrants trying to sneak in and get into the labor market and escape detection. They were almost entirely surrendering themselves to Border Patrol and asking for asylum, which is their right under U.S. law. Anybody can ask for asylum. And one of the main claims they were making was that if they're sent back home, they, they, they will be killed. They will be murdered if they're sent back uh, to their home country. So it was adjudicating these asylum claims uh, that took so long and so many resources for the government uh, to sort it all out. As we evaluate this as a, as a matter of policy rather than as a matter of law, what President Obama did, um, this is from uh, Betsy Woodruff at the Daily Beast. She says that essentially the uh, federal government, uh, by pro- these people, by providing all this data to the federal government, have handed the Trump administration sort of a, a checklist of people. That's absolutely right. One of the main... What, what I was surprised when DACA went into effect is how many of these people gave their information, their personal information, their names, their locations, their addresses, their level of education to the federal government. And they gave it to the federal government at a time when Obama had just reached a record of deportations in this country. So they trusted the government enough to give their personal information, about 800,000 of them, to give their personal information to the government that just set deportation records. At this time now, the government has all that information. Now, so theoretically, they could target a lot of these folks uh, specifically for deportation. It'd be a lot easier and cheaper to round them up. Now, I don't think that would necessarily happen because the way immigration enforcement works in the U.S., even currently, is they mostly go after people who are criminals, who have been either arrested by the police, who have been held um, in detention for a while, or have been convicted of a crime and are getting out of prison. Those are the folks they like to target the most. And President Trump's uh, rescinding of DACA does not alter the priorities at which the government goes after people. And the top priority is violent and property criminals. Jeff Sessions uh, suggested that there would be a timeline and a time frame in which Congress could act to ratify DACA and make it a matter of federal law rather than executive fiat. So what is the likelihood that Congress is actually going to agree on something like this? It's a very low probability. Congress is not able to get many things done, even though the Republican caucus broadly agrees on many things, such as taxes or uh, reforms to Obamacare, or at least they appear to agree on these things. So the Dreamer issue of legalizing these DACA recipients, maybe passing the Dream Act, is even more divisive for them than these other issues. So it would take a feat of real congressional leadership to pass something like the Dream Act. Now, Senator, or sorry, not Senator Sessions, but Attorney General Sessions did suggest that the Dream Act should be combined with immigration enforcement, increased immigration enforcement, and what's called the RAISE Act, which was introduced by Senator Cotton that would cut legal immigration. And Senator Sessions suggested that all these ideas combined would pass as a bill at once, and that would be the real legislative compromise that everybody could get behind. I think that's wrong. I think that a straight-up DREAM Act, up or down, would be approved by large majorities in both houses of Congress. 
But as soon as they add in other features like a border wall or E-Verify or the RAISE Act, you're going to peel off virtually all Democrats and some Republicans from the legislation and it will fail. To what extent do uh, the current president and the current attorney general disagree about the matter, this matter as, as policy? It's hard to tell exactly where they agree and disagree. President Trump during the campaign and since has said many times that these kids have to go, they have to be deported. But then on the other hand, he's also said many times that he has a big heart. He wants to find a way to make them stay. He has a lot of sympathy for these folks. He's met with a lot of dreamers over the years and expressed his support and admiration for them. He doesn't see them as a bunch of uh, hardened criminals like he sees other unauthorized and illegal immigrants. So I think it's fair to say that the president has a much more nuanced opinion and is much more torn over the issue of the DACA recipients than he is over a lot of other unlawful immigrants. Uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, when he was in the Senate, um, and since then, uh, hasn't really shown any kind of nuance in his opinion. He thinks that these folks have broken immigration law, they should be removed from the United States, um, and that uh, the decision to defer their deportations, grant them a work permit, and issue them DACA uh, was unconstitutional from the beginning. So I think it's fair to say that what we've seen today is a compromise. The president's policy on this, rescinding the order, is certainly a middle ground between him and Jeff Sessions. Um, But within six months, as soon as about 1,000 DACA kids a day are going to lose their legal status and are going to lose their ability to work, uh, that it will start to appear very rapidly that Jeff Sessions won this round. Alex Narasta is an immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. Cato Podcast.